What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk the Podcast, the insurgent sapphic speakeasy. I am Dr. Money, the uh, host of this here program, and this is the last episode of 2022, and I'm so glad that it gets to be like a good news, happy, celebratory, joyous episode, because, you know, it's that season for joy. So I'm glad that I get to put some joy in the air this season, because this episode is really going to be a BG is free inspired episode. <laughs> so not even going to hold y'all. Um, thank y'all all who reached out to me with the news. Um, that morning I was like sleeping in because I was just over everything. So to wake up to that news was so exciting. And so of course I wanted to do an episode about it. So we're going to go ahead and get into that. Um, and I'm going to drop the intro. Love your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your flow from a distance. Your vibe incite my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. Every type, darkest night, brightest light, I'm loving your soul They hate you, replace you, take you, but know that you go Worldwide from every continent, I just want you to jig a little bit Move them hips, feel that bliss, hug your sis, make a fist Don't resist your temptation, you're amazing, no limitation My favorite in this matrix, we move by your vibration And that's love, I hope you hear that on the daily Cause baby you love, I hope you hear that on the daily Cause baby you love I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby, you love, you love. All right, so if you are listening to this as I record, then that means you are listening live <laughs> as a patron. Uh, if you would like to listen to the unedited episode as I record, you can head on over to patreon.com and become a patron. That just keeps Queer Walk coming. It sustains the podcast so that I can do this work to get it out to y'all. You can um, donate the suggested amounts that I have over there, but it's a monthly contribution that you can control so you can give as much or as little as your pockets will allow over on the Patreon. If, you know, gift giving and all of the seasons, holidays have your pockets a little tight, you can definitely contribute to Queer Walk in a bunch of other ways. If you want to do a one-time donation monetarily, you can head on over to the Cash App at dollar sign Queer Walk Pod, P-O-D. Um, or you can support by loving Queer Walk out loud. You can rate the episodes wherever you're listening, review Queer Walk, request a topic or Queer Walk slash Queer Pock of the Week. Repost the episodes when you see me out on the internet streets or reply. Use the hashtag QueerWOC to talk all things the podcast or just hit me up in the Queer Walk DMs. You know, I'll be there. I'll reply. (laughs) If you would like to send me something a little bit longer or if you would like to send me any of your curved chronicles, which are your dating questions, stories, woes and wins, you can do that at QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. You can find the podcast everywhere on all things at Queer Walk Pod, too. And you can still follow on Tumblr, where it all began, at QueerWalk.com. 
Um, okay, so I just want to thank everybody who replied to me about the last episode. Um, I was just happy to share music with y'all. Um, glad that I put some of y'all on to some music. Thank you for sending me your music suggestions and recommendations. And all, all of the vibranium strap memes. <laughs> so much. What a way to end my year. <laughs> All right, y'all. I'm going to move us on along to the Queer Walk, Queer Walk, Queer Walk of the Week segment. And the Queer Walk of the Week slash Queer Pock of the Week segment is where I highlight, celebrate, uplift, give some roses to, shout out, a queer woman of color or a queer person of color who I think is doing dope shit, has done dope shit, or just somebody I think y'all should know about. And today is no different. Um, so before I get into the Queer Walk of the Week this week, I just want to say this episode is the last one of the year. So I want to, of course, shout out the Capricorn over here on Queer Walk, Nikita. Um, y'all know her birthday is December 25th, so loving her so much and just wanted to wish her a happy birthday at the top of the Queer Walk of the Week segment. All right, the Queer Walk of the Week, this episode is fellow faux lock baddie, <laughs> Sherelle Griner. Ah! Like, <laughs> applause, applause, applause. <laughs> y'all, when I tell y'all that seeing... Sherelle, dark skin, black queer woman in the White House with all these leaders of the nation and all of her black girl looks and hairstyles <laughs> fighting and um, agitating to get BG home. I have, it's just been such a striking visual that, and, and I think in like all the, the hoopla around Russia and this person or whatever, that she just hasn't gotten her due. And so I wanted to make space to do that here on Queer Walk. And just send so much love and uh, a huge shout out to Sherelle. So a little bit about Sherelle Griner. <laughs> so Sherelle attended Baylor University in Texas and graduated in 2014 after majoring, majoring in political science and government and minoring uh, in family and child studies now. <laughs> Regardless of what your campus calls it, marriage and uh, child studies, uh, human development and family studies, marriage and family uh, studies, whatever. It's all about how we get well through the lifetime from a systemic perspective. And I know I'm super biased, but I think those of us uh, baddies who dare to study it are just top tier. <laughs> So shout out to everybody, human development, family studies, uh, family and child studies, uh, marriage and family studies, whatever your campus calls it. Shout out to us, okay? So after graduating from Baylor, uh, Sherelle went on to attend law school. And in May of 2022, that's right, this year, she graduated from North Carolina Central University of Law. Um, North Carolina Central is a nationally ranked law school and is ranked in the top 60 law schools for black law students um, because they have a black dean, which uh, when I was looking this up is apparently, I mean, 
it's higher ed. I should know this, but it's like super, super rare to have a black dean of a law school. North Carolina Central also has a 78% first time pass rate for the bar, which uh, is very good and also reminds me of how fucking hard <laughs> law school is and being a lawyer and passing exams and all that stuff. Because like, woo, um, just the fact that they have to uh, differentiate between first time passers. Ugh, just tear it all down, okay? <laughs> Get rid of all standardized testing. But um, Sherelle graduated from this, you know, competitive, highly ranked law school for black law students. The legend herself, Coach Dawn Staley, attended Sherelle's graduation in a place of BG because BG was obviously detained in Russia um, when Sherelle graduated. And after months earlier this year of trying to, like, quietly advocate for uh, Brittany Griner's release, in July, she went public with her advocacy in an interview for uh, CBS Morning News. Uh, In that interview, uh, Sherelle shared intimate details about how she had been dealing with um, all the stress of having her wife detained in a whole nother country. And she also shared uh, early details about how BG had been handling um, the detention um, and struggling with her own um, her own not being home. Uh, and then after that, Sherelle really got launched to being the face of um, the We Are BG campaign and the voice for Britney while she was detained. Um, Along with the WNBA uh, Players Association and the WNBA, uh, Sherelle really worked to push um, Britney's story to the forefront. So that same month in July, she was a featured speaker at the We Are BG rally in Phoenix, Arizona. And she urged everybody to continue to, uh, you know, hashtag post about We Are BG and to sign the petition for uh, Britney's release. Along with the petition, um, Sherelle also spearheaded the letter writing campaign, which I think a lot of people had heard about um, in the month before Britney's release, and the We Are BG hoodie and t-shirt campaign. Now, I love those shirts just from like a basketball merch perspective, (laughs) not not even from a like, um, you know like a, a advocacy and a pushing forward of the release of BG, but just the shirts are fire. Okay. They're just fire. <laughs> but uh, the shirts were part of a campaign to raise funds for the bring our families home campaign. The bring our families home campaign uh, launched earlier this year uh, to support families of the more than 60 Americans who are wrongfully detained abroad. Earlier this year, that, that included Brittany Griner. Um, since the launch of Bring Our Families Home, seven of these Americans who were wrongfully detained abroad have, have come home, and one of those being BG. <laughs> the money that the campaign raises goes to directly supporting the 60 families of the Americans, everything from, like, you know, daily living support to legal support um, and advocacy work for helping bring folks home. Uh, I think a lot of people may have also saw earlier this year 
the mural that the Bring Our Families Home campaign did of, I think they highlighted like 12 out of the 60 uh, Americans who are wrongfully detained abroad. Um, yeah, so Sherelle spearheaded those campaigns and became like the face of all of this stuff, <laughs> like very quickly. I feel like it was it was in a matter of months that that she was everywhere, um, advocating not only on behalf of BG, but for this this whole group of families who have um, loved ones detained abroad. I posted this on the Queer Walk Instagram, but I really loved the speech she gave at the press conference uh, on the morning of December 8th. When I really feel like <laughs> December 8th is free Black Queer Girl Day. But like, when uh, we got the news that BG would be coming home, I, I just loved the speech that Sherelle gave. I, just, I don't know. It's just like she never shied away from how she felt about everything. She thanked who needed to be thanked. But she also says, we not stopping, right? <laughs> like She said, I know Brittany's not here, but I can speak on the behalf of Brittany. Uh, she and I remain committed to the work of getting every American home. And I really think she meant that, you know? Um, she's, she has said again and again, we not stopping. And you don't go to law school as a black person. <laughs> And not feel that way. Um, so I just, again, want to shout out Sherelle. I can't imagine the joy she's feeling with her wife being home. And I also can't imagine the uh, the feelings that she had had the past uh, 200 plus days that uh, Brittany was detained. So big love to you, Sherelle. So happy BG is home. And can't wait to see you. Uh, with all the faux lock looks uh, courtside all season next season. <laughs> it's time for that black feminist healing. This, that real shit that make believe. Come on, money, please help me get my shit together. I listen to the moment when times get rough. Put all my headphones, turn it all the way up. Who's gonna give you grounding tips? There's nobody better. Oh, money, help me get my shit together. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to move it on along to the Mental Moment with Money segment. And the Mental Moment with Money is where I, Dr. Money, licensed marriage and family therapist, <laughs> try to give us some tips, tricks, tools to make our um, getting through life a little easier. And today, you know, I had to end the year strong with one of my go-tos. An acronym. <laughs> I wanted to do an acronym in the spirit of having folks return to us from uh, confinement, detention. Um, yeah, I'm. You know, I'm. I'm like a a new learning abolition abolitionist practices. Um, I'm definitely an imperfect abolitionist, so I, I'm learning. Okay, okay. But um, <laughs> I did want to do an acronym, uh, HOME, on how to help uh, release folks or um, ease folks back home after being released from detention. So my acronym is HOME. H 
on how to help release folks or um, help folks uh, adjust back after being uh, detained. H is for housing, transportation, and community. So one of the biggest factors um, that folks struggle with after being released from um, detention or confinement is housing. A lot of housing um, laws are discriminatory to folks who have uh, criminal uh, histories or backgrounds or who have been uh, convicted of certain crimes. And um, it's just unjust. I I honestly uh, don't understand how, like, housing can say that for, like, certain crimes, you know? Like, I understand particular things around, like... uh, school zones or whatever if you if you've uh committed crimes against children but like if you like stole a car how how is it legal that somebody can um deny you housing you know it just feels feels like slavery (laughs) it's like a system that's designed to lock folks out of community um and so I actually found uh, this article from the American Psychological Association on um, life after prison, um, life after confinement, and um, all of the peer support programs around the country that help people um, who are coming home from confinement. So uh, the three main things that these peer support programs, and so uh, maybe I should back up. So Peer support programs means this person has been through exactly what you've been through, right? So peer support uh, for folks who are released from confinement means that they are working with someone who has been trained by a mental health professional. Who may, and they, they might not themselves be a mental health professional. You don't always have to be a therapist to be a peer support specialist. Um, but you do go through a training. It's like a process to become a peer support specialist. They've also been to prison. They've also been confined, detained. Uh, so they relate to the experience that you're going through. There are peer support programs for all kind of stuff. For substance use uh, and chemical dependency is like the most common, I think, commonly well or well-known um, peer support specialist uh, programs. But there are also ones for folks returning home from confinement. And so this article talks about, oh my gosh, that, like, um, people get released at all times of the day. So you might get released at, like, 3 in the morning from whatever detention place that they were holding you. The number one thing folks need is transportation. They're often miles and hours, sometimes even states away from their family. And so transportation is a huge one. So there are peer support programs that basically just do carpooling, right? So like, oh, this person is getting released then? All right, we're going to pick them up and drop them off at their grandma's house. (laughs) And I thought that that was so dope. Um, And also peer support programs are built in community. It's like, these are folks who have experienced what I've been through. I I have a built-in place to talk about what it is that I've been through. Um, And I saw... Cited in this article, I didn't read it, so don't quote me, but um, I think there was some statistic like it's been proven um, that folks who have community, who have housing after being released, it 
it decreases instances of recidivism in the first nine years, which means that people don't end up um, violating any kind of parole or, or having to go back to confinement for any reason within nine years of being released. That is huge. That is huge. Because the system is set up for you to go back once you're in it. So having a nine year <laughs> where the system is not uh, impacting you, that is huge. I would say that is a statistically significant um, <laughs> finding. Okay. Um, yes, so H is for housing, transportation, and community. O on helping released folks who were recently uh, detained is to opt for donating directly. Donate directly to the affected folks, okay? These in-between organizations sometimes, y'all, kind of side-eye. <laughs> so if you see a GoFundMe... Um, going across your social medias. I think I've talked about them before on the podcast. I know I've definitely posted about them on the Patreon, but um, books are another um, donation thing that a lot of folks, because that's how a lot of folks spend their time when they're detained. Yeah, so a lot of folks want books uh, post-detention. The Women's Prison Book Project is one. That I love and support, um, have definitely supported through Queer Walk. Clothes, uh, people's physical bodies are a lot of times changed through detention. And um, most of the time, folks just come out in the same clothes that they uh, were detained in. Folks need clothes, right? So donate those things directly. That is the, the best way to ensure that people are getting the resources. In that same APA article, I I don't know why I'm surprised by this, but it's it's actually uh, shocking. But the average amount that folks coming out of detention in the United States have on their person when they're released is $37. That's the average amount of money people are released with. That can't even buy you a bus ticket anywhere in most places. So, um, yeah, people need monetary support um, post-release, too. And I, I feel like I don't even have to talk about the um, the job discrimination that happens when folks have um, criminal histories. Yeah, people need money. Donate it directly. There are... Um, organizations that I trust that I know grew out of like grassroots efforts that I see doing incredible things. Um, they work more as kind of like databases, you know, of like, Hey, here's where the money needs to go. Um, free our mama's campaign. That one is one, uh, like every year, the free black mama rollout around mother's day, uh, Philadelphia paper company does like a free, free our uh, queens, free our moms. Yeah, it's, I can't remember the specific name of it, but I have it linked in the episode description. (laughs) These are all places that, uh, donate funds directly, or you can look to see where funds need to go on their pages and stuff. And also books and clothes. Okay. So M on how to support folks post detention is You guessed it, mental health. (laughs) Mental health through peer support. 
Um, so I will link to uh, kind of places. I, I mean, I know the link for the one in Philadelphia because I'm here now. But uh, there's a lot of already established peer support networks for folks who are um, coming out of detention. So you don't have to just do mandated mental health, whatever, through like the criminal justice uh, process. You can also do it through peer support. Um, So I'll link the one for Pennsylvania in the description of this episode. And if I can find the one for New York, because I know I used to I used to have it. Um, I'll put it in the description for this too, but yeah. And last but not least, E, end cash bail. (laughs) So this is not something you can do, obviously, on your singularly lonesome (laughs) on your own, but it is something that would drastically help folks from, first of all, being detained, um, and to be home again (laughs) with their families, On average, and I'm getting this from um, the national bailout. Uh, So on average, any given day in America, half a million people are in jail without being sentenced before their trial just because they don't have the money to post bail. So this ends up meaning that if you have the money, you can wait for your trial at home. And if you don't, you have to wait for your trial in a cage. Um, money should not be the determining factor as to whether or not you are free. (laughs) Money should not be the determining factor as to whether or not you get to be with your family, that you get to sleep in your own bed, especially when we know that in the United States, um, like most crimes are crimes of like necessity, right? (laughs) Like I, like we don't have resources and that is why most crimes are committed, so resources should not be the reason why why you have to sit in jail before you're even you're even found guilty of anything. So ending cash bail is necessary. If we didn't have cash bail, half a million people would be home right now with their families. I wanted to talk a little bit about the bail project because Like I said, I'm learning about abolition. I would not call myself an abolitionist because I'm learning, (laughs) you know? I read, I read the readings. (laughs) I'm trying to, you know, trying to do this till we free us. But um, I I am learning. Uh, And so some of the reading that I have been doing comes out of the Bail Project. And they actually have a whole framework for reimagining pre-trial justice. Which means, I think a lot of the barrier as to why people are like, people like me in the learning space are like, I don't know if I'm an abolitionist, because what we going to do if we don't have what we have? Well, there are people who have already imagined that, right? (laughs) Like, you don't have to try to create that in your own imagination. The Bell Project uh, created a whole shareable PDF called After Cash Bail, and it's a whole nother framework for what we could do instead of um, confining people if they can't pay bail. Because the whole point of bail is supposed to be um, like you promise you'll come back for trial, right? Um, So we really don't need to lock people away because they can't pay it for for a promise to to be made (laughs) that they will come back for trial. So I will, I have a link 
to um, After Cash Bail in the description of this episode. It's just such an easily readable and understandable um, resource for a like a roadmap on how to get out of cash bail and what it could look like if we didn't have the cash bail system. And on the other end, um, parole and that kind of confinement is also being rolled back and ended in a lot of ways all across the country. I wanted to shout out specifically the Less Is More Act in New York. Shout out! (laughs) Shout out to Unchained in Syracuse um, doing the work of um, freeing folks from detention. But the Less Is More Act passed, I think it actually passed last year, but it went into effect in March of this year, um, 2020. And it was like a sweeping reform to the way parole is done in New York State. The most notable thing, or I guess the thing that um, felt so important to me, is it set limits on how long somebody can... It set limits on how long somebody would be sentenced to for technical violations of parole. And so, oh, I used to hate these when I was working in chemical dependency. So a technical violation is like a small violation. It doesn't mean you did anything like egregious to violate your parole. So it could be you changed your job and didn't tell your parole officer. Um, Maybe you missed curfew. Uh, Maybe uh, when you took like the mandated drug tests, uh, alcohol or something showed up. Uh, if you can't pay for like your parole fees and stuff. Um, so all the, right, all these little technical things that don't mean that anybody actually committed a crime, right? But that you can still get violated for parole on. In New York State, now there are caps on how long folks go back to, um, to confinement for this. Um, I think that's huge. It's huge. So shout out to the Less Is More um, Act and other acts like it that are happening all around the states. So let me do a little rundown again of my acronym for how to help folks out of detention. HOME. H is housing, transportation, and community. O is opt for donating directly. M is mental health through peer support. And E is end cash bail. I'm never going to get corporate sponsorship. (laughs) All right, y'all. So I'm going to move us on along to our topic segment. And um, the topic segment is the queer potpourri segment of the podcast is where I talk about all things that don't fit into the other segments of the podcast. And this episode, I'm so excited because I was joined by um, the (laughs) queer radio voice, um, Anna Deshaun, to talk all things uh, Brittany Griner being free and home. So... I won't. I don't want to say too much before getting into my conversation with Anna Deshawn. The first thing I will say is like, if you are not following uh, Anna Deshawn on all things E three Radio on all the things, um, go follow <laughs> because Queer News Radio is an award winning <laughs> queer podcast. So you definitely and it's short. It's it's not like Queer Walk, you know. <laughs> 
you can binge it. You can get a lot of your queer news um, right there on the source. And I think Anna Deshawn's voice is just made for like some queer of color newscasting. Okay, <laughs> y'all will see once I get into the um, conversation with her. I did want to say um, a few things before playing um, the conversation between me and Anna Deshawn. And what I want to say is just political education happens in so many ways. And I think in these really scary, tragic moments, a silver lining can always be found. And I just learned so much in following Brittany Griner's uh, detention in Russia. So much of it I learned through Queer News Radio. But some of it I just learned, like, seeing other black queer women tweeting, posting. Um, Roxanne Gay wrote about Brittany Griner's detention. Oh, and uh, one of my favorite YouTubers, Stephanie of Wine and Chill, made a whole video about the legalities of um, Britney's release. Uh, Stephanie is a black lawyer, so she she breaks everything down in black lawyer terminology, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I'll put the link to her, her YouTube video about it. I just fucking learned about, <laughs> about politics from following this case. And so some of the things that I wanted to name before getting into the uh, conversation between me and Anna Deshawn that I learned. So first, I think the most important, I learned the criteria according to the United States Secretary of State of what it means to be wrongfully detained. And through learning, I think it's like 10 criteria. And through learning that, I've learned exactly how many people in America would qualify as wrongfully detained. I mean, one... First of all, you don't have to meet all 10 criteria. You just have to meet one. One of them is being detained in inhumane conditions. If anybody has ever had a loved one who has been confined in American prisons um, or jails or has been so yourself, you know that inhumane conditions exist. Another um, is like not being given due process. Uh, and B this is how, so these two are how BG was classified as wrongfully detained because she was not given bare minimum interpretation and she had no access to a lawyer before she was asked and made to sign documents that were in Russian, which she don't speak. Um, yeah, and so just learning about all of that, which I never knew before, uh, the Robert Levinson Hostage Recovery Act. I didn't even know that was a thing. I mean, I knew America um, be going over and getting people and minding other people's business. But I didn't know that this was like a whole thing. I also learned a lot about how much weed I'm allowed to have on me. <laughs> Learning that in like New York, you can have 24 grams on you. <laughs> um, I think in California, it's something like 8 grams. You can just, and this is, this is what you can just be like walking around, do, 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 minding your business with, right? So, right? <laughs> and um, when I saw a lot of people saying, why did we trade, blah, 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 blah. Um, no, there's no place in the United States where somebody would ever have been um, arrested for the amount of weed BG had on her. So there's no, we're comparing different things, right? So there's no... There's no way anybody would have been 
uh, detained for that amount of weed because she only had like a gram, less than a gram, actually, uh, Anna Deshawn told me. So I learned a lot about that. I learned about all these other political prisoners who are detained abroad. I love the WNBA, but I learned so much more about the nuances of the wage gap and how WNBA players are paid in comparison to how NBA players or other professional athletes are paid, um, how they pick their teams of who and where they're going to play overseas. I learned so much about that (laughs) following this case. Um, And last but not least, I also learned a lot more about how America is war. Like the the identity of America in the global, (laughs) the global um, commerce space is that of war. I think I obviously know this as a black person living in the United States, um, knowing about the three pillars of white supremacy. I know that America is guns, you know, that America doesn't have a gun problem. America is a gun problem. (laughs) I know these things from living here and, um, and experiencing the like atrocities, um, that this country commits every day, but I just didn't know that like of all the countries we do it so big, um, And just like as a little snapshot of things that I learned, I have been writing this down uh, throughout the week because I knew I was going to do this episode to end the year. So a lot of people were talking about Victor Boot, the uh, Russian dude who uh, got traded for BG. Um, And he was nicknamed the Merchant of Death. I won't get into that. I will not even pretend to be a geopolitical analyst like, I know the ins and outs of what Victor was doing. Because in my, from my perspective, he was basically like a Peaky Blinder. Y'all seen that show? On, I think it's on Netflix, Netflix, Peaky Blinders. Basically, he was, um, he was stealing guns that America was sending places and, and arming, like, rebel forces. And I, it's, all I will say is that the way we use the word terrorist, I mean, think about the people that the that the United States within the United States has called like extremist groups or terrorists, right? It's basically anybody who threatens American uh who who gets in America's way. It actually doesn't have anything to do with the like morality of the group. But again, I just I was just reading stuff online and I was reading articles from like the Workers World Party. So like I definitely don't know enough about the groups that he was supplying. But what I do know is America is the true merchant of death. Okay. Like if anybody was going to be given that nickname, it should be America. Um, America has sent $13 billion in weaponry to the Ukraine alone. Okay. Alone. That's just a singular place that America has been a merchant of death. The United States makes up 40%, and I'll put a link to the article that I'm referencing all this stuff from that I read. The USA makes up 40% of the top 100 biggest defense companies in the world. In the world, Craig. And the United States accounts for one-third of the world's weapons. The world, y'all. 
all, all of it, the whole, the whole sphere. The United States makes about $299 billion a year just from guns. Just from guns. So, y'all, America is guns. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just wanted to share those uh, tidbits um, before I got into the conversation with Anna Deshaun. Th- these are just things that I learned from following this case. And so... God damn it, it matters. (laughs) Political education happens in so many ways. So now that I've said all of that, I would like to introduce my conversation with Anna Deshawn of Queer News Radio, who has been following the BG case from the moment we found out she was detained in February until celebrating her release and um, next steps in her... uh, welcoming home and her process of um, being back in the United States. So yeah, here's my conversation with Anna Desan, y'all. All right. So I am joined today by the voice of queer radio, Anna Deshaun. <laughs> hey, the the, that's hilarious. You're the voice. What the what? I'm so excited to be here. Oh my God. I'm so excited to have you. Um. Okay. So before we jump in to our topic today, BG being home and free, um, can you please just tell Queer Walk listeners a little bit about yourself? I know I met you through Diamond at um, Afros and Audio Festival here in Philly, but I realized that you had looked so familiar to me because you are just like the face of queer news in Instagram <laughs> reels for me. So. <laughs> I love everything about that. Okay. Um, that's like a goal accomplished check. Yeah. Um, that means so much. Uh, yeah. Cause we were talking and you were like, you look familiar. It's like, I don't know. I don't think we've ever met. Yeah. Um, it has, I don't know which question to answer first, but it's still really dope. Um, cause that's what it truly is a goal. Like I, I think mm. our note, our news is important. I think yes. when you start reporting on people's news, it begins to, um, validate that they exist. And I feel like there's more to us than just the things that people want to write about, which tend to be the sad things and the negative things and the terrible things that happen to our community. But there's a lot of really beautiful things that happen to us too. And we deserve time. So I'm grateful to be able to like be that person. I feel like I've been called to do it. And it's like, it was really dope. And Avril's and audio is dope. And Diamond is too. So it was just, uh, (laughs) I wish we could have spent more time, but that's how conferences are sometimes. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So where are you from? How did you get into radio? Give us your origin story. (laughs) All that good stuff. I'm from the South side of Chicago. I grew up with my mom, my dad, and my older sister. My older sister is 17 years older than me. So she was like another mom. Mm. I have a really big family. Uh, my dad's family's here in Chicago. My mom's family is from Mount Bayou, Mississippi. And so yeah, they are. Hey, come on, Delta. <laughs> and um, I, my family's in, so her family's in the South, except for, you know, a couple of them. And so I grew up in a very religious family. And that's 
that's like, you know, church on Wednesday, church on Sunday. There's a choir rehearsal in there somewhere and some vacation <laughs> Bible school and, uh-huh. and and all the things. My dad uh, could pretty much pre- be a preacher, but he just refuses to. He has his <laughs> master's in divinity. Um, mm-hmm. So in so many ways, I'm a PK because of that. And yeah, I grew up with a loving family and mm-hmm. And yet still, you know, you just, when it's time to come out, you really just don't know what the heck is going to happen. Yeah. And so, <laughs> right. And so I chosen family has always been really important to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I, when I look back over my life, I can just see these moments of chosen family being there and in support and always mm-hmm. showing up. And, you know, we value that. And they really helped to shape who I am in so many ways. I'm really grateful for that. And, you know, E3 Radio, which is our radio station playing queer music and reporting on queer news. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a passion project for over a decade. I started it in 2009, but I had a corporate job the entire time, <laughs> um, a career, okay, um, and a very exhausting one at that. Ooh, but, relatable. You know, um, mm-hmm. and so... It, it, it was something that came out of my college undergrad. I had run for student activities board president and I ran on the pillars of to educate, enlighten and empower the student body. Right. Mm. And so it was these three E's. I didn't win. I did make it to a runoff. So it was close. And as uh-huh. you know, that's pretty legit considering I'm not in any frat or sorority. Yes. Uh, you know, because they felt- basically monopolize student government. Okay, they yeah. take, they run everything. So yeah. it was pretty good considering. And I was also at a PWI, so there's all of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, then that's a win is a win, okay? A win is a win. a win. <laughs> that's Money. a win. A win is a win. Yeah. Then it Where'd is a win. Where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to uh, Drake University. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I went to Drake, and then I did my master's at Ithaca College. Big ups. Uh, Come on, upstate. Upstate. Yeah, I spent time in upstate, and then I was like, "Lord, get me home." So I did six. <laughs> I did six years <laughs> of small town um, white people living, yeah. and I was like, "Hurry me home, please." Yeah. So that really was a part of how I got into the work because I still wanted to do communications. I just knew I couldn't do the traditional mm. media route of having to start in a small market, having to, you know, you work your way up to the good morning Americas, right? Yeah. But you start in very small towns. And I had done that for six years and through all of the paces that are figuring out who you are, making a whole bunch of mistakes, um, relationships, all these things. And you just, you miss holidays. You just miss these things, your family. Mm -hmm. And I was like, let me hurry home. (laughs) Um, But the ideas came through college. I I was learning about all these amazing black women, um, the Fannie Lou Hammers and the um, Ella Bakers and Mm -hmm. these amazing women had never learned about before. And I was like, how can we tell their stories? And I was like, dope, I can make commercials, radio commercials, syndicate them to college radio stations. And then we can get some advertising support. And then like, we can do this. Um, so E3 actually started as a college radio network and I quickly realized that wasn't going to work because Mm. college radio ain't built for that. (laughs) That is not, Um, and I was, but the idea just always stuck. And Mm -hmm. eventually I just swapped one of the E's for entertainment. So at the heart of it, we always believe in educating and empowering and entertaining folks. So that's what E3 stands for. 
And I just want to tell our stories. I care about black queer folks. Yeah. You know, I care about black mm-hmm. people. I care about queer folks. But I really care about black folks, black yeah. queer folks and brown mm-hmm. queer folks. And uh, so I just kept working at it. I started picking up other shows and then it became a station and a whole situation. And then <laughs> and, um, I was like, well, we just need to be on all the time. And the team was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then we started, we figured, found a program that we could program our station and be on all day. And yeah, then I decided COVID hit and I was like, Hmm. Time to go. Time to go. So mm-hmm. I was like, time to quit corporate. Let's take the big leap and see what we can make out of this thing if we did it all day, every day. Um, so in so many roundabout ways, that's sort of the story mm-hmm. of how E3 is what she is. And yeah, I love it. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And we are <laughs> so glad that you are here. <laughs> oh man. I'm glad I'm here too. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, so E3 grew mm-hmm. out of a college radio station. That yeah. feels dope as hell. Like, oh man, that was yeah. the idea. Uh, we were mm-hmm. going to be a college radio station. The first PSA campaign was called, you know me. Mm-hmm. And I honestly think it's still on our YouTube channel. And it was a series of conversations I had with black queer folks. And it was gonna they think they were like 15 to 30 second commercials of people just saying like you know who I am mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that was the whole idea for people to share just something authentic about who they were and remind people that they know who we are like stop acting like we're not here and visible yes. erasing our stories and mm-hmm. so that was the first campaign it was called you know me yeah. that had to be in like the first few years of YouTube then man like the- <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even yeah. think of it that way, but probably because my first show on the station was in 2009. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. Whoa. So, Whoa. so you, you I, created I think it's like still a up there. database, a database of queer news over yeah. the last few years. It's o- true. Over a decade. Man, money. You just keep going in. But yeah. <laughs> It gets longer and longer. No. I feel like I just need to um to emphasize how huge this is. This is like monumental. Oh God, monumental. I yeah, I mean it has definitely been that long. Is and you know, for everybody that's listening, I mean, when you are called to do something, you just are always doing it. There's something mm-hmm. that you're just always doing. You've always done it. And it just looks different depending on where you're at in your life and what yeah. you can handle and what you can manage at that time because mm-hmm. life be living. So yeah. the station has really been that for me over mm-hmm. the last 13, 14 years, whatever it's been, 13 years. Yeah. Because my career was very um, challenging and it was very demanding. Mm-hmm. And so when it was lighter times, I could do more. And when it was heavier times, I couldn't. And Family is still a thing that's important to me and also figuring out who I am and giving back to my community was always really important. So, and we also know relationships take a lot of energy yeah. and, um, mm. and, and this Virgo was like a serial relationship person. Like it's so there was all those things, but I just couldn't let it go. I never let it go. Yeah. And when COVID hit, it was like, what am I doing with my time? What mm. am I doing with my time? Yeah. I, I had, done everything I could probably do at my corporate job without pursuing some type of higher level executive position, which I had already um, told myself I wasn't going for Mm -hmm. just because of 
everything that we go through when we work in yeah. corporate, mm-hmm. being promoted over, not making enough money, not making what you're worth, you know, uh, giving it everything you got just because you have pride in your work, yep, yep. <laughs> you know, and all you those said things. You was a Virgo? Such a Virgo. Oh I should have known. I thought you were a Taurus. I was leaning Taurus, uh, okay. but I should have known. <laughs> <laughs> you should have. I mean, once I had people, I'd be like, oh, yeah. 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 It's, I knew it was Earth sign. I knew it was Earth sign. <laughs> okay. There you go. There we go. Yes. I'm so a Virgo. Uh, so it was just, it was all of that. And. I was like, what am I doing? And then we, my mm-hmm. wife got COVID. I got COVID, but she got it really bad. Had to be hospitalized. And it was that time you couldn't go in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So you're just, um, and she had to be, they put her in a bubble and it was like, we're going to give her this cocktail. Like this was before they had like for real, for real, the vaccine and like the yeah. things that would help like way yeah. before then. Season and, one COVID. Like definitely yeah. season, season one COVID, yeah. early 2020 COVID. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was extreme. That was scary. And my job, I was working 14, 15 hours a day and I thought it was going to kill me. I was going to mm-hmm. kill me. And I was mm-hmm. like, I got to go. I got to get out of here. And let me see what I can do. Um, if I gave everything I had been given to this corporate job to what I believe in and like what mm-hmm. brings me joy, whatever I did that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, it's time. It's time. I had been mm-hmm. thinking about it for a very long time. And, you know, over the years, there was always some excuse. Don't have enough savings. Not the, you know, da, 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 da. But I was like, mm, this has to happen. Yeah. They, it was wonderful. I mean, I like I said, I worked there for over 12 years. We had grown up together in a tech startup. And so they were like family to me. But it was time to go. Yeah. And so I did. So February 2021 was my first month as my own boss. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, we've just been rocking. Yes. That's, that's why it's still so crazy <laughs> when people recognize me for Instagram. It's like I just started doing them about like, like a year ago. Um because that first year after you quit corporate and you go out here full time, you're just trying to figure mm-hmm. your life out. Like, what is this? For real. Um, yeah. So much adjusting that has to happen. Uh, breaking cycles of how you worked for so long. Like, I don't have to do that. I did that for months. Back to back meetings feel like work. And mm-hmm. uh, replying to emails within two seconds. That's that's work, right? That's work. being productive, mm-hmm. right? And after a while, I was like, this is why I quit. Like, what are you doing? Right. Mm-hmm. So you, the, the, <laughs> that first year, you're really figuring out who you are uh, as an entrepreneur and how you want to work mm-hmm. and then, and finding your voice and all the things. So queer news came out of a pivot from a show that I did right when I first quit called wake up with Anna and friends, because I was like, I need a That's morning show. I was going to ask you. I'm uh, like, yeah. okay. Cause you got, now you got an award winning podcast. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> That's still insanity. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it came out of Wake Up With Anna and Friends. So I had started mm-hmm. a morning show. It was a lot of fun. I was like, that's what I got to do. I got to wake up with people in the morning. Like, those are the radio hosts. you be five. I do. <laughs> oh, I wake wow. up at five in the morning. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a point in my life where I would wake up that early and be like, bunk down, going to sleep. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but now I'm like, Okay, God, good morning. Thank you so much. <laughs> Let me get myself up, you know, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and maximize my time in my day. So, yeah, I do get up early. And, but all my favorite radio hosts over the years and anyone you're making a radio, it's the morning show. 
It's morning like, shows. It's yeah. the morning show. Or the drive home. But the morning mm-hmm. show, like, that's Tom Joyner time, you know? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, today, a uh, Ricky Smiley time or whoever. Yeah. But Chicago radio is important. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I did a morning show. It was bringing me joy, and then it wasn't. <laughs> and money, you know, as a creative, if it's not bringing you joy, like you gotta go, mm-hmm. you gotta it's time mm-hmm. to stop. And I had done enough shows over the years to know, like, when it's time to quit. Things things don't seem easy; they seem hard. It seems like a struggle, mm-hmm. and I, it was starting to feel that way. And I began to think about the part of the show that I really enjoyed, the part that brought me a lot of joy, which was the queer news part. Like I, that was the part I was like, "Ain't nobody else doing this," and this is the part I like mm-hmm. sharing with the people, and this mm-hmm. is the part. Uh, and someone, um, her name is Tracy Bame. She's a legend journalist, period. She's brilliant. And she was like, I like the news and I like your politics and this and that. And I was like, that is the part I like. And I was like, maybe I turned and I went to, I had gone to Afros and Audio virtually mm-hmm. and PodFest. And I was like, maybe I turned, after going to those conferences, I was like, maybe I turned that part into a podcast. And that's yeah. literally... What happened? It was born. Queer News was born November of 2021. Mm. Yeah. Oh, what? You celebrated? I, I, it's it's birthday. A good moment to kind of get into how and why the Britney Griner series, right? So, I mean, obviously it was a huge queer news story, but um, yeah, tell me about uh, BG. Do you usually follow women's basketball? Gee, I'm such a big fan. So okay, all right. I wanted to know if we was gonna fan out together. Oh, oh we gonna fan out. <laughs> we gonna fan out, money, cause okay. I grew up a gym rat. My mm. dad's a Hall of Fame track coach, uh, state championships, basketball. Like, I grew up in the gym. I've literally Got thought you. about getting gym rat as a tattoo because that mm. was my childhood, my, my entire yeah. existence. And watching ESPN with him every night is the reason I love Robin Roberts. Is the reason That's mm-hmm. who I wanted to be. Like, it's so yeah. tied up into sports and everything. So I played college freshman in college softball I, i'm three four sport athlete and so sports is just in my dna mm-hmm. period and i was actually an intern with the chicago sky the first year they came to chicago i was an intern g and i quickly realized i did not want to work in the WNBA because uh-huh. it ruins it it ruins it i don't want to oh, know no. i don't want to know <laughs> you don't want to know money Okay. Just, we just going right. to keep being fans. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, All right. When you get so too this close like, to us. This is like 2011, 12-ish? That's yeah, I don't know what time. Yeah. I think so. Because I think it's yeah. been about 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, Mm-mm. I don't want to know y'all personal life. I don't want to know y'all like that. I just want to fan <laughs> out. And so uh, I love women's basketball. Always have enjoyed the game. And Brittany Griner... She is a freaking legend. I mean, I she like, at the begin, like at the beginning of YouTube. You know, we watching yes. Britney dunk, on dunk YouTube. in high school. In high school, yes. 
Like she is a goat when it far as yeah. women's basketball goes, yeah. and like the which went at the time in which she came up because it was the mm-hmm. beginnings of YouTube. It was the beginning yes, of the internet. Exactly. Right? There's a there's a clear distinction between the players who had the internet and the players who players did not who have the it. internet. Yeah. Yes. Like. Ruthie Bolton Holyfield on the internet would have been mm-hmm. bananas, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. A Yolanda Griffith on the internet would have been bananas. A Cheryl yeah. Miller, bananas. But yeah. there was no internet for yeah. them, you know? Cheryl yeah. Swoops too. But Cheryl Swoops has a different type of legend, like, mm-hmm. level because of the comments. Um, but yeah. Brittany Griner was it. And she was cute. She was tall. She was like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, she, she can was- ball. She was a tomboy. I think about like yes. um all of the so like Facebook had I feel like recently opened up to people without like the .edu. Downy Link was popping yes. and like you oh could post God. videos on <laughs> Downy Link. This was yes. all converging at the time when I saw the first video of Britney Griner Duncan, right? And yes. so yes, yes, yeah. The yes, internet. All that. The internet, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we downloading LimeWire around here. Like, right. this is what was happening when yeah. I, you know, in that, at that time. So, picture it, youngins. We- <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was a whole moment. Like, yeah. you all are enjoying the fruits of our consumption at this point. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so I've been following, like I've been following just for a really long time. Always been mm-hmm. a fan, and I've, I appreciated how she even moved through those tough moments. Right, she had the yeah. tough moment with her ex, and like mm-hmm. she was suspended. I'm almost certain, like mm-hmm. she did the counseling sessions. Right, she kept pretty much a pretty low profile, considering, and yeah, you know, and she didn't. She really got through that moment, and she everyone did. doesn't get through the tough moments. Yeah, uh, in, in the public, they just don't mm-hmm. always recover. But I felt like she did. I felt like she mm-hmm. did recover. And I felt like um, her ex, even during this whole year, was so supportive. And, yeah. And, and she was, like, right there. Like, her posts. I would check her posts, her Instagram, mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. because she was going through it. Um, yeah. She was going through it. She was like, this is my friend. Like, why y'all trying mm-hmm. to stir mess? This is my friend. Mm-hmm. And I've just always felt that about BG. She's always been fun to watch. Um and she's created a culture in Phoenix where women's basketball is the thing. And she also put Baylor on the map. Ugh. Like, <laughs> yes, she did. Despite no, all that is. Um, exactly. I don't yeah. even want to say her name. Yeah. But yeah. I went to mm-hmm. Auburn, so you know. <laughs> Dewana oh. Bonner. But, <laughs> oh. but Bonner. I don't. Yes. I just like, yeah. So I just like don't remember. Baylor being in the conversation, even as like a team to watch or beat before BG got there and like Odyssey Sims and they had, you know, that championship season that they had, she, she did it. She put them on. (laughs) She made a whole program. You know what I'm saying? She brought them money and they had the right, it was the right time. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like in sports, it's about timing. You can be crazy talented and it yeah. just be the wrong time. Like anybody in the Jordan era, you was at the wrong time. I mean, um, it was your time, but damn, like you this yeah. sucks. Like so mm-hmm. many people in that in that time left without a championship because yeah. he wouldn't go away, you know. Um in women's <laughs> basketball, <laughs> in women's basketball, it was a whole comments legendary that situation. Yeah. You know, um 
And that was how it was. For for women's basketball, it was UConn and Tennessee. And, like, if you was in that era, like, that was real tough for you because of all the things. But Brittany was just so freaking dominant. To have someone, let's see, Mm 6'8", who can dribble and did the fundamentals properly, turn it around, face you up, like yeah. pivot to the paint. Mm-hmm. Like she mm-hmm. had all of that and you can't beat it. When Odyssey says is also like, right. Like it's just, <laughs> it was all of it. And yeah. no, she put them on the map. Yeah. She's the reason they have such a great program, despite mm-hmm. her not being able to be who she was because of the coach. Say right? that. Okay. Yep. <laughs> In the face of still what we have to put up with as yep. queer women of color. Yeah. She still she still did that and mm-hmm. did it well. Did it really, mm-hmm. really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so it felt obvious then that you were going to cover this story when back in February, we find out that she got detained in Russia. Oh, 100%. There wasn't a mm-hmm. doubt in my mind. I was like, they are not going to cover this story. I just yeah. knew they weren't going to cover the story mm-hmm. for so many reasons. Women's sports in this country don't get the attention or the love um, or the honor that it should. Yeah. And I was just like, she's a black queer woman in Russia. Yes. I was like, this yeah. is not good. So yeah, it's the not. moment I, is the moment I heard the story. I, yeah. I just knew it had to be something I, had to report on and be and be consistent about reporting on it because the news, the thing with mainstream media is it moves on. That's what it does. Mm-hmm. That's like the nature of it, right? And we wouldn't want them to do anything else because you want to know what's happening today, right? Mm-hmm. Like their job is to report on what's happening today, not yesterday, not two months ago. Uh, they report on what's happening today. And what that means though is that if your story is not continuously making the news, you will stop being in the news cycle. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's just the nature of what it is. And that's yeah. why I believe that local media, independent media are so incredibly important because they are usually talking to a specific group of people and those people deserve their news um, and the, for, to hear updates about things they care about. And that's just not how mainstream media is set up to be mm-hmm. and to function. So, I just knew I had to keep telling her story because I knew it was going to fall off the news cycle until something else salacious or huge happened. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause that's what they do. And I was like, but there's going to be so much happening in between those things. Mm -hmm. Like the, and yeah, I just knew I had to tell her story. And, um, and then I just saw that other people cared too. And other people wanted to know. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. this is a service. Like you doing this podcast money is a service. Like this is how you are serving your community and using your gifts and your talents and the things that bring you joy. And right. Yeah. That's why you keep doing it. You keep showing up, giving your time, you know what I'm saying? And queer and queer news E3, you know, soon to be the cube as well is how I feel like I can be a service, you know, to, to my community and use this gift. That is my voice um, in the community. And, um, be vulnerable about speaking my opinions and mm-hmm. saying how I feel about a situation. And Brittany BG was just at the heart of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, why should we care about BG's case? I know that feels like an obvious question, um, but it, I have been thinking so much about this quote from um, Gwendolyn B- Brooks, who's like one of my favorite poets, because Roxanne Gay kind of ripped off of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but Roxanne Gay kind of riffed off of this quote in her article that kind of um, echoed what you were saying just now. Like, we know mainstream media is going to move on from this. We know Twitter timeline trending stuff is going to move on from this. But um, yeah, the quote is, we are each other's business. We are each other's harvest. We are each other's magnitude and bond. And yeah, your timeline of following BG's case just made me think about that quote too. So I ask again, why should we care about BG's case? My mama would say in her country way, right? (laughs) Um, Treat people how you want to be treated. Yeah. And I always put myself in other people's shoes Mm -hmm. when I go to report a story. I think about if that was my sister or my aunt or my mother or somebody that I loved. Because when you don't know someone, there's always a disconnect, right? right? You you get a connection with someone because you know their story. That's why Mm -hmm. podcasting is so important. That's why telling our stories are so important because you get to see the humanity in people. Mm -hmm. But when I report the news, especially tough stories, I do my best to think about if that was me, what would I want someone to do for me? if I was in that moment. And if Brittany Griner was my wife and she was going over there to work <laughs> and yes. she was, and she was who Brittany Griner is, is. in Russia specifically. Yes. And, and, and this happened to her. Oh, mm-hmm. I absolutely want somebody to tell my story and I want yes. someone to stand up for me and speak for me constantly mm-hmm. so that no one forgets that I'm over here because yeah. it is so easy to forget because of the nature of the mainstream news cycle yeah. and because of how we've been inundated with timelines that refresh every two seconds. Yeah. And it's not about a in-depth two minute, two minute video. It is about mm-hmm. a funny 15 second video mm-hmm. and it's so challenging to stay in the front of minds of people. And if that was my family, I would want somebody to tell my story and I want somebody to take care of me. But And you'd want someone to get you some justice in that yeah. moment. Yeah. And anyone who was speaking negatively and all that other mess, like for me, that's just evil because you wouldn't feel that way if it was someone you loved. And mm-hmm. so that's why it's important. That's for me, that's why we tell her story because it could have been yeah. us. It could have been so easily. So Um, easily. Yeah. I think about like um, all when my friend Nikita used to say, (laughs) when you are in all the margins, you end up slipping through all the cracks. But what's wild about being in all the margins is that there is someone who can relate to it to an experience that directly impacts you. Right. So I'm like, whether it's being a person with tattoos whether it's being an athlete, whether it's being from the South, whether it's being a big black girl, whether it's having locks, whether it's, you know, any of the things, being gay, you know, any of the things, um, there is a space, whether it's being somebody who uses cannabis, right? It's like there is a, a who somebody who is wrongfully detained, you know, any of these things, like there. Somebody who has to take a second job because you don't make enough at your first job. There are so many spaces in Britney's story where I feel like everything about me caused me to be like, this is wrong and I have to say something. Um, if I, I was just like so blown that she wasn't trending every single day on Twitter because her story is such a 
a like quintessential American experience, right? Like, like, like we are, this is what we all going through. <laughs> um, in so many ways, in at so all many the ways. In, at all the intersections, yes, in so many intersections, like yeah, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. everything you said, everything yeah. you said, money, it was all mm-hmm. of that, and she. She didn't deserve it, right? right? And I think that that is the thing. You know, we have people who are always going to be very black and white with certain things. And I think mm-hmm. there's a space for that. There's a reason those types of people exist. Is There's black and there's white, right? And there's people who on the other end, it's like, there's a whole rainbow, child. There's, there's mm-hmm. a new color we haven't even made yet, okay? <laughs> yes. Right? And then, <laughs> and then there's the people who are gray and who can listen. So I feel like I'm always the gray person, right? I can hear both sides of that situation and still come out mm-hmm. with my own opinion and respect it when it's given with respect. But there are some people who were just so hell bent on saying she did something wrong. And so this is the punishment because she's in another country. We have to follow their rules and their laws. And that's just it, period. And for me, that way of thinking is so short-sighted yes. and, and, and has no <laughs> factual backing at all, especially mm-hmm. when you live at the intersections and you know doggone well Black two plus two does not equal four in any type of legal justice system ever, ever when it comes Mm -hmm. to black bodies ever. And now we're in Russia. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That, you know, just was treating her like a freaking goddess. And I think that that is the part that I really wanted to express to people is that she was a goddess over there. Period. I said this on previous episodes of Queer Walk, right? It's like, she didn't show up at the airport and they were just like, oh, who was this tall black woman? She's won championships with Ekaterinaberg or however you say it. I feel like I've tried to learn so much Russian pronunciation. (laughs) Like, she's won basketball championships in Russia. Like, they know who Brittany Griner is. She's making damn near $2 million to play for their team. Like, yes. She is a superstar in Russia as well. (laughs) And Americans, right? Americans believe that they are at the center of the universe, okay? And so if you are not big in America, you ain't made it yet, right? Like if you ain't made it in New York, you ain't made it. Mm -hmm. As the World Cup is going on, the largest sporting event in the whole wide world, okay? And Americans barely got it on television, okay? (laughs) Like (laughs) there's... There's an arrogance about Americans. When it is, and, and if you don't know, then don't nobody know. Absolutely not. Right. Brittany was black and queer and 6'8 and winning championships in Russia. <laughs> Do you think she didn't stand out? She right. was making, to your point, money. She, I think she was making $1.5 million over there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was the star. Yeah. Okay. She was the star. Yeah. And she led that team. Mm-hmm. And don't speak enough Russian to do it like this is happening because of a translator and because of her actions right yeah yeah and and so it just was clear to me that it was all about being a political prisoner and putin taking advantage of this moment yeah because to go even deeper in the situation right we know about the oligarchs and Mm -hmm. we know the russian oligarchs run russia just as much as putin right Mm -hmm. they report to putin and 
their wealth is stemmed upon his actions and their support of him. And do you think she went over there and it, th- with that little bit of cannabis oil and an oligarch who owns her Russian team wouldn't have been able to get her out if there wasn't yes. a war going on? Right. Are you kidding? Right. He probably owns half the prison. Like, yeah, yeah. This is someone whose net worth, I think, is like five billion dollars or something crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, according to Forbes, like this is the not... oligarch who owns the team yes. that she played for. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's right. And um, you know, he's made the top list of the most the wealthiest people in the world, um, mm-hmm. according to Forbes. This is not your auntie making a call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not like you know some grassroots yep. effort. Um, no, this is not what we're talking about. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to express that to people so that people, everyone can see the bigger picture. And, and so, and so many people didn't know about women's basketball overseas. Oftentimes Mm -hmm. people don't think about athletic careers outside of the major platforms that we all are very familiar with, but there are athletes all over the world figuring out how they can make a career with this gift that didn't get them to the very highest level, but they play at a really freaking high level. (laughs) Okay. And they have families and they make money doing Mm -hmm. what they love to do. And just Mm -hmm. because you don't see them don't mean that they aren't brilliant and great and found a way to do what they love and make money and provide for their families. And that's Mm -hmm. what international basketball is. That's what the D league is. That's what every other, you know, form or equivalent to that in every other sport is for those players. And BG is at the very top of the list. Okay. There are very few people who have the list of accomplishments she's had over the course of her career. She could literally have Mm -hmm. retired such a long time ago. She, she, that's (laughs) what I was saying. She could come back and retire and her resume would still be better than people who are, who are still trying to get the accolades that she got. In college. <laughs> Yo. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, when you talk about, I think they say like 5% of people make it. So let's yeah. start with the 5% and say they're the 100%. Okay. She's mm-hmm. in the 1% of that she, 5%. Yep. When it comes to <laughs> athletes at mm-hmm. that highest level, that's who she is. And uh, gosh, what was happening with her was just such an incredible injustice. Yeah. Because um, it was just it, leverage. Yeah. Yes. It was pretty obvious. Like I mm-hmm. um I was thinking about and listening to your coverage of it and also like thinking about this question of why she why we should care about her case is um when we tell the stories of us, like the folks who are multiply marginalized, it illuminates stories of so many other injustices in the world or people we didn't even know about. Like I didn't know about the Marine who was detained in Russia before BG was detained in Russia, right? <laughs> like, right. I nobody knew. Nobody, nobody knew. Knows. I don't, any of these people were like, but what, why we didn't get Paul Wheeler? I don't think they knew his name before she was detained, right? That no. is like so important. I didn't know about this guy, Victor Boat or Boot um, before, you know, <laughs> before right. BG was detained. Um, I didn't know about all the political prisoners outside of the United States who are American, you know, who are uh, wrongfully detained in other countries. Um, you know, journalists, <laughs> women of color, other women of color who are wrongfully detained before we told this black lesbian story. Right. So yeah. I think about that as being important. And this idea that it's so so funny to me how everybody becomes experts on geopolitical politics when it comes to seeing a black girl free because <laughs> yeah. 
Um, first of all, the United States is built off of trading black people for for whatever, for goods, for what like like we know that that is the founding of this country. So why, when it comes to us being free, is it a is it a problem that we are trading? human trading, you know, I mean, it's, it's messed up, you know, but I'm like, I don't see this outrage in other ways that we've like traded people. The fact that people have to go abroad to work, to earn a living, um, that we aren't paid well enough to stay home, like all of that, there's none of this outrage for, and that we know that laws don't mean something is right. You know, like slavery was legal, for what? 300 years. <laughs> it's like, hello. And hello? This, something being yeah. right and wrong because it's legal or not. I just, I was, I was so hurt and shocked to see black people with that response. I don't know laws locally of like going from state to state. You know <laughs> and you telling me I should be aware of international laws. <laughs> And the funny thing is, is that none of them know any of that. <laughs> Brit- Brittany knew. You know what I'm yeah. saying? She lived mm-hmm. there. She yeah. knew. Yeah. I, who knew? She knew. Yeah. And yeah, people become experts on the internet. I find it very hilarious. And to your point, as Black people, we ought to know from our own um, mm-hmm. experiences in this country that you, just because it is legal don't mean it's right. right. I mean, we've mm-hmm. been in, disenfranchised because of that yeah. and and kept from our own mm, freedom and liberation in this country because of it. And, yeah. and of course, that had everything to do with how they were treating this story, how they looked at her, how they looked at who she was. Mm-hmm. Um, if she was a white girl with blonde hair and blue eyes, right? We know that the story is different because we Which know happened. about anti-blackness. Yes. Mm-hmm. That yes, the 19-year-old. Yes. Yeah. And um we know because anti-blackness is a very real and accepted thing. Mm-hmm. And and folks often don't know how to handle their own uh, mm-hmm. racism because I got black friends. But your yeah. anti-blackness shows up. In mm-hmm. moments like this, in moments like this, it absolutely shows up. Yeah, I, yeah. BG's BG's life mattered to mm-hmm. people, and yeah. the news is not going to run that story exactly. If, if the there's way not a reason it. for them to run the story, right? But the, my audience some, cared. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Something you said. Something you said. Um, I can't remember in what episode, but you said. So often these news stories about black lesbians, black queer women are, we get GoFundMes, we get tragedies, you know, like like that's what we get when we have news stories about black queer women. And this was not that, right? Like this is important. We didn't get a tragedy. Like she, she's home. She's here. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was in that um, most recent episode. Mm, God, mm-hmm. you about to, yeah, you're about to make me cry, um, mm. because I report on a lot of sad stories, like yeah. the stories about our black trans sisters who get killed, yes. and their stories go unsolved. Right? These yep. people have folks and communities and chosen family and 
um, who love them so much and mm-hmm. their lives are left with these very dark and devastating endings, which leaves mm-hmm. a community full of just hurt and trauma. Yep. And then that's what we know leads to more hurt and trauma. Exactly. And <laughs> it's just, this yeah. is what happens because we're human. Like this is what mm-hmm. happens. And then folks end up in situations they can't get out of. Yeah. And they make decisions that they wouldn't have made otherwise. We just mm-hmm. know environment matters and mm-hmm. situations matter. Like, <sighs> And so often we are left with that. Like if something tra- tra- tragic happens in our community, the first thing I'm doing is going to look and see if there's a GoFundMe because people mm-hmm. want to help, but they don't know how. And this is what we're doing today. But we didn't yeah. have to in this story. And yo, mm-hmm. we waited 294 days to be able to say Brittany is home. Like, yeah. I know how yeah. that felt for me. I know how that felt yeah. for our community. Y'all told me and yeah. that meant so much. So I really couldn't conceptualize like how her mother felt. Like, right. How her- wife felt how the people yeah. who love her who, her where sister, she her, you know what yeah. i'm saying mm-hmm. like yeah i don't even know her yeah <laughs> um, but i can only imagine if that was my family like how mm-hmm. overjoyed we would be for her to be back home and mm-hmm. i just wanted i just had to share that because we deserve good news yes Ooh, we deserve good news i feel like December 8th need to be free black girls day. Oh. Black queer girls day. Cause that hey, waking up to that day. news. Yes. Yeah. That Thursday yeah. morning. Man. Mm-hmm. My phone's blowing up so crazy. I, yes, mine too. It was yours too. Like, yeah. It was blowing up so crazy. Like, can you believe it? Can you believe it? Yeah. Someone called me. Actually, mm-hmm. my hairstylist called me. And I thought something was wrong. Cause no yeah. one calls me at seven in the morning. You know? Right get and I had slept in and I was on a call in the bed mm-hmm. I hadn't gotten up and it was like get up you gotta do a story and I was like you right <laughs> you right I got to go do a story yeah. and I talked about Tracy Bame earlier you know um the reason I talk about her is because she ran Windy City Times here in Chicago which was mm-hmm. a free LGBTQ paper that ran for I think 30 35 years and it was it was free the whole time and she was the only person okay. reporting on LGBTQ news here in Chicago for I mean decades okay and so she's been such an amazing mentor so uh, we were talking one day because we were out honoring Elise Mallory who was a trans sister here in Chicago a comrade who was found who was killed Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were out at her memorial and I was talking to her and she, and I, cause I've been covering so many of these stories and she, I was like, how did you do this? Like in the eighties, how did you cover mm-hmm. HIV mm-hmm. and AIDS during mm-hmm. that time? Cause she was the only person doing it. And she was like, honestly, I don't know. She was like, mm-hmm. I, she sort of went into like an autopilot. She's yeah. just like, I just knew it was important because no mm-hmm. one else. Right. And she was like, I never felt the need to be first to tell the story. I just wanted to get the story right. and you know and I was like that's it I was like that's it Jerry's like Mm -hmm. I don't have to be the first person to break a story like we are independent creators like there's no way we are keeping up with a hundred person newsroom like right Mm -hmm. but what we can do is get the story right right and that morning there was like a lot of pressure because he was like you and I was like I can't rush this video because to get this video mm-hmm. right is so incredibly important. I still got it out that morning, but it was just like, I, let me read a couple articles first. Yes. Let me see what else they're saying. 
let me get this video as much attention to, to, for these 59 seconds of news, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, it, and really express this moment of this mm-hmm. joy that I was getting from other people in this video and, and let's get it right. And, and let it go and see what happens. But yeah, that was a great video to do. Yeah. 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 It was a great video to see and share <laughs> and just like feel your joy through it. Like and uh, the joy and also the relief, right? I feel like you could feel the sigh of relief coming yeah. off. Like, whew, okay, she's home. She home. Yeah. She that home. story was for all year. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was an all year long story. It was yeah. incredible. Um, mm-hmm. Man, the relief. The joy. And now you know she back home. She left the army base. And so now, like that's the on the Queer News podcast, that's what I'm gonna be talking about. Um mm-hmm. it's just she from everything I'm reading, she is just full of life. She's yes. like she it seems like she's reinvigorated. Yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. and figuring out how she wants to use this new platform she's got and her wife is brilliant, mm-hmm. right? Just graduated brilliant. from law school. Okay, oh, she yeah, she she is ready. Sherelle, okay, she ready. Okay, <laughs> she her wife is here. I don't know, I don't know what she plans on doing. I don't know. I mean, but she ready I, for something serious. Okay, Sherelle is about to be that girl. Okay, yo, just graduated from law school. It, I feel like I was moved to tears hearing her say, "You know, we not gonna stop." Until they are all free. You know, like seeing a dark skinned, queer black woman stand in the Oval Office and say that, you know? And she and like, I believe she meant it. Oh, I, I definitely <laughs> believe. <laughs> she said, I may not have known before, but I know now. No, yep, yep. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also think about, you know, they have a long love story. They met at Baylor. And I also think about Sherelle being with BG in those moments where she was told to hide who she was, you know, going with her to team events and stuff as her partner. I, yeah, I just, I stand Sherelle Griner, okay? Hello, hello. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, like, she held it down. With those ass-length faux locks in the, in the White House, okay? Yeah, <laughs> unapologetic, okay, about For who real. she is. yeah. Yeah. About who she is and her love for her wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yo. It's beautiful. Like it, that's what that is yeah. what like ebony and jet covers are made of. Like this <laughs> is why these are the moments when I misprint. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. Hopefully Essence gets the story. I'm betting. I'm betting money that Robin Roberts is gonna get the first exclusive interview. Mm, okay. I'm gonna I'm putting my money on Robin to get it. I she had done a couple things with Gail. I'm sure CBS was like putting in their steak, but I feel mm-hmm. like Good Morning America and Robin Roberts is probably gonna get that exclusive interview. And I'm hoping Essence gets the cover, so I can yeah. get like my whole like Jessica Betts, Niecy Nash cover yeah. next to like the BG Sherelle cover. Yeah, like, I, yeah. Like I need that. I need that in my living room right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and I I still got my ESPN with BG and the snake. On the cover, Ooh. so I'm just having like the whole series. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Today, I mean, she's okay. I'm just so glad she's home. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this this connects to something I wanted to ask you about, like the conversations around the case, what people were talking about on and offline. 
was there anything you felt like got missed? Like, what should people have been talking about? I definitely think Sherelle. That, Def- that's- definitely Sherelle. I feel like what I missed was telling the story more about who BG is. Mm. Um, I didn't talk a lot about the YouTube, like my experience growing up with BG, following her career. I didn't talk a lot about that. And, you know, by default, we went to her accomplishments to just Mm -hmm. um, emphasize how big of a human this is, like how important of a human this is. Mm -hmm. Uh, So people got the message, like she is an Olympian. Like she, you know, all these accomplishments Mm -hmm. to just sort of further emphasize like how amazing she is. But we didn't spend a lot of time talking about her as a person. Mm -hmm. We missed that moment. It's Mm -hmm. not over. It's not too late, but we missed the part about her giving back. We missed the part about her growing up. We missed the part about being who she was, not being who yeah. she was able to be in Baylor. Like this is not part about what made her a human. Mm-hmm. And even talking about the tough moments that she went through and how she got over it. Like, I feel like we missed the human side of the Britney story. Yeah. And I totally agree with you about Sherelle. Ain't no way. I think maybe we were just trying to leave her alone, <laughs> give her mm-hmm. a space. Cause she was good. Yeah. But yeah, she held it down and she's brilliant. So yeah, we yeah. definitely missed that. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I I was just thinking about um I can't remember who said it, but they were like we only talk about black queer women when they're like exceptional or when it's tragedy. And so I think that defaulting to this is how exceptional BG is that totally did miss who she is, right? <laughs> like um yeah. yeah i remember those old youtube days where like she was posting four-wheeler riding videos with friends <laughs> i was like just just what? like yeah this is so random but i remember one of my friends sent me a picture that he took and he was like yo ain't this your girl and sh- and it was britney griner on like a um like a skateboard just skating down the street somewhere <laughs> Just like a carefree, whatever you know, you yeah, you like damn near seven feet tall, just skateboarding through the city, just like it's normal, right? Like ain't nobody gonna know who you are. I mean, somebody gonna think something. That's hilarious. Yeah. Man. That is hilarious. Yeah. yeah, that type of stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. we missed that. We missed that moment. It's not too late yeah. though. It's, it's not. Late. It's not. You know, not we here. We talking about we it. Here. We are. We are. Yeah. Were there any conversations that came up during the course of covering the case that surprised you? Not nah, nothing really surprises me anymore. It's tough mm. to surprise me. People are very predictable. Um, <laughs> they, are, they are very predictable. It's mm-hmm. very I would have been I would have been surprised if a right wing Republican came out and said, We need to get this Olympian home. That wow. would have surprised me. Right. Mm-hmm. But they are so Mm. Yeah, yeah, they're that. Mm-hmm. You know, they are so lockstep, which which has a whole nother political conversation, and it's to their detriment that they are so lockstep. Do mm-hmm. I think that there are people on that side of the world who wanted her home but couldn't say so out or felt like they couldn't say so out loud? Yes, mm-hmm. and if they would have, that would have surprised me. But everything that played out and how it played itself out did not surprise me because everyone had their own motivations as to getting her home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, we know as black folks that you have to be the best and you have to do extra. Right. And 
if you don't have this uh, perfect slate, then they will injure you and bully you until mm-hmm. your your value or your worth seems like nothing, right? But BG really didn't have that. There yep. was nothing that anyone could come at BG and be like, why are we working to get this person not get this yep. person home? They've done this, 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 that. that. They didn't have that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there was nothing mm-hmm. that they could really say outside of what happened yeah. as to why she got detained. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There was just nothing mm-hmm. else in her record to, for them yep. to slay. Uh, so, nah, nothing surprised me. Um, nothing surprised me. And and even the timing of it didn't surprise me, right? So even though the Biden administration, they they finally got her home, it was all about time. They weren't going to do it before the midterms. The midterms, yep. Now, if yeah. that was your loved one, how would you feel about that? Yep. <laughs> right? Like, we had, we're waiting because of this huge political moment that could mm-hmm. not go wrong for the, for the Democrats, right? And um, I think if you needed so. anything else to prove that she was a political prisoner, that was it. Right? That was it. <laughs> even, yeah. even Russia's moves, the timing. Yes. Right, mm-hmm. they did it in the midst of that because they knew what the, what would be happening in America. Right, they yeah. knew what was happening. They wanted to accelerate what was happening. They wanted Victor Boot home. They mm-hmm. was like, "This is the moment," right? Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. So nah, nothing surprised me except mm-hmm. for the fact that she finally got home. I mean, if there was something yeah. I was like, "Yeah, she made it home. Yeah. She made it." Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, I think my last question that I wanted to ask you is this felt like a particularly politicized moment for like black queer women, black lesbians um, on social media. Like, I feel like it was the one thing that I saw all black queer women in my news feeds talking about. Um, and not just like personal ways, like, oh man, this is sad, but like political ways, right? <laughs> like, like <laughs> I learned so much politically through following this case, right? Even about like so so specific um weed laws, right? And like in New York, you can have 24 grams, which is what, like Gee. 12 times the amount she had. She had like two grams. Right? Times. Twenty-four. No, no. She, she had zero point seven. She okay. didn't even have a full gram. She didn't even have a full gram. <laughs> no, Mike. She didn't even have a full gram. Oh, that, that white girl that Audrey Lorber, I think was her mm-hmm. name. She had nineteen grams when she was found with that stuff in Russia. She got a two hundred thirty-five dollar fine in two months. Two yeah. months, sixty yeah. days. Mm-hmm. Brittany Griner got two hundred and thirty-four more days than than yeah. she did. Yeah. yeah, it was crazy. And was yeah. facing was facing eight eight more years, right? Come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> yeah, it just mm-hmm. made me think about like black lesbian political power, black queer women's political power. Where do you see this energy going somewhere? I don't I can't remember in my lifetime like seeing this many black queer women at one time talking about pop like international politics <laughs> in this way know, right? yeah i mean i think we always ready black mm. women period stay ready Say that mm-hmm. we don't have to get ready we are always prepared because we have the most to lose yes. and when you have the most to lose you're like you know what, bunk this. We didn't survived it before. I know what I believe in. Black women are just amazing. And anytime a black woman is running something, and I always can feel it because it feels equitable. It yes. feels like someone thought about this 
Yes. And, and, and thought about the smallest of details and wanted everybody to be included. Like that is black woman stuff. I, I, <laughs> I participated in this uh, business competition and we didn't make it to the, the first round of whatever. But the email was like, we, we know you didn't make it. We appreciate you applying, but we're giving you this three month membership to this networking site and da 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 da, da and this other set of resources, da 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 da. da. And I was like, that's a lot. Like, for not right. have gotten it right. And I can't only imagine how many people applied because it was a big mm-hmm. competition and everybody got this. And, and then I came to find out that the person running was a black woman. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. You know why? Because we know what it's like to be forgotten and we know mm. what it's like to be left out of the story historically in the present time. We know what it's like to not be protected and defended on a consistent basis for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And so when we get in positions of power where we can make decisions on how things are going to go, we think about the person on the margins and we think about mm-hmm. how they are going to feel about this, not about the majority. We very, yeah. very often we are not thinking about the majority of people because we think yeah. that they're going to take care of themselves. We think about those mm-hmm. who are often not thought about. And yeah, I think we're always here. We're ready for the next opportunity to mm-hmm. speak and use our platforms however we can and whatever our focus is on. And if we look at any of these major movements that have happened, a black queer woman is usually in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Angela Davis. I mean, I don't know where yeah. we want to have. I mean, they're like, <laughs> we yeah. will kill the whole situation, okay? Yeah. And Because we're also overeducated, which probably frustrates mm-hmm. the mess out of people. I mean, Black women <laughs> are like the most overeducated population. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's why Black queer women and the, our relationships are just so much, it, gee, it's a whole academic situation. So, yeah. I just think we're always ready. I think we mm-hmm. stay ready. We stay fighting and we stay um, tired and that's why we stay in therapy. And that's why so much of also our work is around healing and mm-hmm. um, how we move through these moments because, and I talk about this on my pod all the time, at any given day, my one of my identities is under attack like yes. at these intersections, right? Yep. Do I talk about my blackness that's under attack today? Do I talk uh, about my queerness that's under attack? Do I talk about my women's re- reproductive rights that are under attack? Mm. There was literally one day where all the three of them were under attack. BG, yep. I think her appeal had gotten extended and then the role situation mm-hmm. was yep. And then there was the uh, shooting. Yep. Was that yep. mass shooting. Look mm-hmm. at Florida. And it was just like, what do I talk about I today? Remember. It, yep. Like, um, how do I write about this today? Mm-hmm. What do I have mm-hmm. the energy to fight for today? BG's case, though, brought all those intersections home, mm-hmm. which doesn't happen very often. Not very often do we have an opportunity to talk about a black lesbian woman yeah. who is under attack, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. So I think that was that was a very unique case where yeah. you felt like your own personal identity where you saw yourself mm-hmm. in BG. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that just like made something click for me that I hadn't um, connected before, which mm-hmm. was how quick the WNBA players association rolled out like a plan of action <laughs> for we are BG. It felt like, it felt like that had been, you know, just like something that they had planned just in case. Because, I mean, when you think about the WNBA, what, I think it's like 80% Black women? 
you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. most of whom are queer, you know, it's like, I and and then being severely underpaid as um, professional athletes, I know that this has been a conversation in the Players Association of like, what happens if one of us get into some shit in another country? I remember watching that um, roundtable of WNBA players. I think it was all black players at the table for this one. Um, and Ari Chambers, and they were talking about their interactions with police in other countries as players, right? And so mm. when 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 we found out that BG was detained, it felt like an immediate rollout <laughs> by the WNBA. Um, and I think about like Neka Agumake, black woman at the head of you know that the president of that, like um, yeah, all the other players who um, made T-shirts or like. Used every moment. I think about um, um, Amanda Zowie B, you know, another very vocal black lesbian in the WNBA who was like, yeah, I just won this championship. That's great. Uh, uh, uh. But BG is still not home. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like, it was gangster. They really they were gangster. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that's a level, that's an understanding that I have not seen in the men's game. Like men speak exactly. up and they will have dissidents. There will be people who will not participate at a hundred percent. Period. We saw yep. that in the NFL, Colin Kaepernick, the knee mm-hmm. thing. People didn't get it. I don't, like totally were against that, right? Even in the NBA, there is dissidents. Um, yeah. You know, everybody ain't always on the same page. But the WNBA, them yeah. sisters was like, "Yo, this is it." I could just <laughs> hear it. Like, no, this is what we're doing. There mm-hmm. is no option. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, yep. I feel like it was a very black mama moment. It really was. <laughs> Everybody wearing forty two because we said everybody wearing forty two. Period. This ain't an option. This isn't a democratic thing. I feel like it was like we are standing together on this because if this was to happen to you, you would want us to do this for you. Yeah. And this is what's happening. Period. And it was there was this unifying moment. And also, man, money. I think about this all the time. And this is why this is why I'm also really grateful that this had a happy ending because the success that WNBA saw financially mm-hmm. yes. when it comes to ticket sales and attendance and awareness happened because of this very awful situation that yeah. happened to BG. They yeah. had the most ratings they'd ever had sold out stadiums, crowds, mm-hmm. the attention on all the things yep. happened because BG was wrongfully detained mm-hmm. And in these moments of extreme darkness, we do have to think about the light. And that was a light. And I am just so happy and grateful that she is going to have the opportunity to enjoy that light because, because she deserves it because she went Mm -hmm. through it. And because of that, I believe we will see pay equity. I believe we will see Mm -hmm. an improvement because people are seeing the value in the WNBA and it, and it started with another tragedy, which was Kobe Bryant dying mm-hmm. in that helicopter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bec- and it's, you know, and then now this, uh, there's this moment because he is a girl dad and this movement mm-hmm. around girl dad. And we know men are an important part of this conversation. And it's the reason why women, the women in soccer have equal pay is because the yeah. men said that this is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Not because the league or the system wanted to change something and not because the women weren't fighting tooth and nail. Yeah. It's because the men said this is right and we want to be a part of the solution. Mm-hmm. Right. People are now seeing the value in women's sports 
and now women's basketball. And I hope that this momentum will charge them to have to make some serious decisions on how we support women in these sports Mm -hmm. because the NBA needs to be held to account as to why every team is not associated with a WNBA team. Mm -hmm. Okay. And figure out what that looks like and fix it because there's just no reason why in the Mm -hmm. city of Chicago, they are two separate entities and anywhere where it is two separate entities, you can see the disparity in across the board and pay and ticket sales and awareness. Like, I'm just glad she's here to be able to enjoy Mm -hmm. all the things that she's able to build when it comes to the success that the WNBA is going to continue to have. Everybody, every player got a higher profile, Mm -hmm. um, good, bad, or indifferent. It just happened. And they were ready and poised. The Mm -hmm. league is lit. Like, Mm -hmm. the league is lit. Okay, it's crazy talented right now. And they played and they showed up. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it's pretty poetic to watch. It it is and it was, right? Yeah. So ongoing and past tense. I think another energy mm-hmm. that I really felt from the player well, I've been a huge fan of the activism of the W ever since um I think the Minnesota Lynx took the um took the court in all black for Black Lives Matter, you know, like way before any other um professional athletes were protesting um visibly right um but i think something that felt so apparent this time was like if this could happen to britney who like is top five everything right shot shot blocker scorer (laughs) like everything if she she's um like we could debate if she's like the most famous WNBA player of the time right now, but definitely an all-star eight times. So, you know, <laughs> so like, if this could happen exactly. to her, what, what what's going to happen to us who make 70 K a year? <laughs> what's going to happen to our rookies who, you know, there's been debate if even uh, there should be a WNBA draft every year because it's not enough teams and not enough spaces for the rookies. So, I felt this urgency around, like, if this could happen to her, like, what does it mean about the rest of us, right? So, like, doing something because it impacts those who are the most at risk. Um, And I just love that. It feels like, even if they don't call it radical Black feminist um, organizing, it feels like radical Black feminist organizing, right? Yes. Um, where, yes. Where they got white girls out there talking about, Black women are, you know, they, you understand? They, got, they got little Kelsey Plum out there talking about Yo. black women's pages. The camaraderie, you know, yeah. It, yeah. Like, the camaraderie is real. And the and political education. Yo, like, it's because they're educated, overeducated. Yeah. This is what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like women, and then especially black women are overeducated. Yeah. I it's just a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a thing. And so it's not that people who aren't educated don't get it. You get it because you live it. You, you live understand it. Yeah. it. You just often don't have the language to communicate mm-hmm. it. But you feel it. You know what I'm saying? These women have the language to communicate it Yeah, on big, big platforms to get everybody's attention. And they mm-hmm. did. And it was brilliant. It was excellent. It, it was um. It was poetic to watch. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that can be uh, replicated, right? Yes. Like, this is how we do this. Mm-hmm. This is how we get it done. Um, Brianna Stewart tweeted every single day. Every day. 
every day. Every day. Every day. Stewie Shout was tweeting. Hey, hey. <laughs> you know, upstate. Yep. Um, yeah. She was in it every day. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that, it's an appreciation. It's a respect. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was, this needs to be a whole... I don't know a whole something about yeah. this whole moment, and I see it. Maybe a, I see a few it. Years like a thirty for thirty or something. Yo, I, like bigger than thirty for thirty. <laughs> you know, right. Somebody was asking. Who was I was talking to somebody, and they were like, "I'm surprised it's not a BG podcast. It's about BG." I was like, "I know. Yo. I talk about a queer news, but they ain't right. It's not. Some, no one created a podcast specifically covering BG story. Yes. You know. Yeah. Um. There. God, they about to come out with the hundredth Whitney Houston situation. I know, um, and I love me some Whitney, but rest. let her let can she let please? Her, yeah, can her family rest? Can y'all yeah. just stop, right? But can <laughs> but this one, this first one about BG, I just yeah. know it's gonna be so good. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you yeah. heard she about to play this season. She's like, oh, like, <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. it's about to be bananas. She yes. is. I mean, she is about to bankroll I, the W. She I feel is, really bad for them post players. <laughs> yo, feel, oh, yo. Yo. The she way. could suck every game and it not matter. <laughs> you understand? The roar of the crowd. Exactly. Exactly. About, you know what? Like, I'm about to write I'm about to write a proposal right now. I want to travel <laughs> around and watch this happen. You I understand? Mean, I need somebody to pay for my like tickets to go see whenever Phoenix is on the East Coast. You know, I'm not asking for much. I don't need no. season season tickets. I just need the tickets for when they play New York, when they play DC, because oh. <laughs> it's going to be insane. Everywhere the roof she goes. It's going to be blown off. Just <laughs> It's gonna be a sold out crowd everywhere yeah. she goes, and yeah. and I hope that they got somebody documenting the whole damn yeah. thing. I hope there's somebody to telling the story um, of the entire experience because it's yeah. going to be unreal. It's going to be as mm-hmm. if she's retiring. Is that yeah. how? That's how it's gonna be. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be BG shirts everywhere, everywhere, yeah, everywhere. It's gonna. I be already, so I already ordered mine. Um, hey, and you I need know, to order more than one. I, oh yeah, I feel like I need multiple. Like I might <laughs> have one for every game of the season. But oh, there <laughs> yeah. we go. I was thinking. I was like, you know, she was already, you know, um, I think it had only been like what, like twelve dunks in WNBA history, and six Probably. of them was hers. <laughs> Probably. I'm like Probably. Lisa Leslie. Who else would have been yeah. there? Yolanda Griffith. Uh, Candace, maybe dunked. Candace, Candace Parker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. I think <laughs> that's it, money. There ain't nobody else. <laughs> it's, just, it's just Lisa, Candace, and BG. That's, that's, that's it. Lisa, Candace, BG. I, yeah. I think Sylvia Files got one. Oh, Sylvia did. Yeah. Sylvia did. That's why the baby think about Yolanda Griffith. But I think by the time, I think, I don't. I don't know if she did it, but yeah, yeah, yeah Sylvia did. I'm, yeah, I'm, ha- I'm happy for her. I'm glad she's retiring. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. She did it on the way out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could be on here talking about basketball all day. Okay, Man. all right. Um, 
I I just want to thank you so much for joining me. I felt like I could not end the year in this BG Man. celebration without your voice on the mic. Wow. I just thank you lot. so much. So uh, much for being here, Anna Deshaun. Is there you. anything you want Queer Walk listeners to know, to follow, where they can find you on these podcasting streets? Yup, show is. I am pivoting the work of E3, right? So we talked a lot about E3 radio, and mm-hmm. we always had a radio station. I don't care what's going on. So queer music, queer news, we're actually going to be updating the format to queer music all day long. Um, really, really soon. So I'm excited about that change. And then we're pivoting into the podcasting space with our company called The Cube, Q-U-B-E. And that's exciting. It's called The Cube because- I Matt still need Matt, a hoodie. I still need no, a hoodie. I do. tell you something. Y'all, Somebody else need a hoodie too. Money. These hoodies no, okay, are fire. Fire. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And we got, I'm working on the stove, but I got you too. Uh, we're going we gonna to work on that. I And so- mathematically e to the third power is to cube something and it hit me in the shower like that's what we should call this podcasting business the cube put a cue on it and make it hella queer and <laughs> the idea is we're creating podcasts at the intersections telling the stories mm-hmm. of us living you know at race and sexuality is at the heart of who we are because our stories matter and we need them in the podcasting mm-hmm. space so we're dropping our first slate of podcasts in 2023 i'm really excited about that we, our first one is dropping February 7th called Black HIV in the South. How did we get here? It's a four part series. Really excited about telling these stories yeah. about how we got here mm-hmm. and some of the solutions that are in place to help destigmatize HIV and talk about U equals U and talk about how far we've come despite mm-hmm. having to save ourselves again. So, that one's coming out. And then the next one after that is Polyam Chats, which I'm excited about. Um, I'm excited being, about Polyam Chats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hosted by a Small World Collective here out of Chicago. And it is about polyamory and it's about their relationship and their triad. And it's about all the things that no one else wants to talk about, too. It's about the breakup mm-hmm. energy. They talk about the jealousy. They talk about mm-hmm. Google calendars. Chilling. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> I'm really excited. And then we have more coming. Um, the next one will be Second Sunday, I believe. Actually, I'm, I'm debating if it's going to be the audio drama or if it's going to be Second Sunday. But uh, Second Sunday is about um, our Black queer experiences in the Black church. Come and we, it's good. Uh, the interviews have been so amazing. And our journey and, and what it means. And it, can we reconcile? Can we reconcile mm-hmm. with the Black church? And um, and then we're doing the audio drama because I freaking love audio dramas <laughs> and the colonization of Dominique Mosley, co-written by Experience J and Imani. And I'm excited about that. So we got a, a lineup of podcasts for us and by us and telling our stories. And I'm really excited about our podcasting journey with the cube. So definitely go check us out. The cube app across all the socials. We'll start pushing out content early next year. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I guess you can follow me too at Anna Deshaun across all the things, but uh, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Thank you again. Um, and I'll post all the stuff as usual in um, all the links to all the things Anna just mentioned in the description of this episode. So if you were trying to take notes while listening, it's going to be in the description. Yeah. yeah. Queer walk. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, money. Thank you for having me. Thanks.
Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right, y'all. I love that this is going to be a little jam-packed episode because um, <laughs> it's the one, you know, like ending the year and I'm going to take a little break uh, for a couple weeks and then come back with a new episode in the 2023 of things. But yeah, I'm glad I'm giving y'all a longer episode um, to go out on. So now I'm moving up, move it on along to the Curved Chronicles segment, the segment of the podcast where I share my dating woes and wins and or your dating woes and wins. If you want to send your dating stories on over to me, you can hit me up in the DMs or you can send it to QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. So, y'all, I got banned off Tinder. (laughs) Can we talk about it? Um... Okay, so picture it, Philadelphia, 2022. I decided that I was going to make a Tinder because, okay, I have been like painfully isolated. I feel like Tinder had the like, the reputation of being the quickest app, you know, like people are like, are you here now, what you're doing tonight. And so I was like, okay, I'll just make a Tinder to see what's out there. Um, and to see if I could just find somebody to like fucking hug me, cuddle me, like whatever. So I set up a Tinder account. This was my bio. Just an extroverted dykey nerd <laughs> seeking to break up my lonely evenings with physical connection. I already have great friends and am not looking for a relationship What I'm down to do is cuddle with you and see if it leads to more. I'm me, so I'll probably spoil you in the process. (laughs) If you think I'm cute enough to give a booty rub to, match with me and tell me what music is on your late night playlist. Yeah, so I thought it was a cute bio. I put up some really cute pictures. If you follow me on Insta, I put up one of the photos was um, my orange bathing suit picture on the beach, um, which is... I'm pretty sure, to and to my recollection, like, my first ever, like, bathing suit picture, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm really excited about my profile. Think I'm going to catch a lot of cuddle buddies with it, and I post it. And then two days pass, and I'm like, damn, I didn't get no matches? And so I log in, and it asked me to do, like, a captcha to, like, verify I wasn't a robot. And I thought that was weird because I had already verified my account. Um, so I was like, okay. So I do the capture thing, and the first screen I see after the capture, your account has been banned from Tinder. It's important to us that Tinder is a welcoming and safe space for everyone. Unfortunately, we found that you violated our terms of use, and so we've made the decision to remove you from Tinder. You will no longer be able to access your Tinder account or create new accounts in the future. So I'm banned for life. <laughs> um, and I read their terms of use because I'm like, what the fuck did I do? I didn't do nothing. Tinder. And they they also don't offer you like an option to like reach out to anybody or appeal it or nothing. It's just like, bitch, you banned. Um, so I read the terms of use. What I what I assume is that. They read the use of the word dyke in my bio 
as hate speech, um, which goes against their community guidelines. And I think that somebody, maybe the algorithm or maybe somebody who just like really hates fat people (laughs) flagged my um, bathing suit picture as like nudity or something. One of my friends was telling me that all these nudity filters online, they don't actually um, flag for like, is there actual nude stuff happening? It just flags for how much flesh the algorithm recognizes. So um, if you have more flesh, you know, like if you a thick ass brown girl, of course, (laughs) it's going to be a lot of flesh, but I wasn't nude, damn it. If you follow me on Instagram, y'all seen the picture, right? It's I think it's very obvious that I'm not nude in that photo. I'm on a beach. There's other people in the background around me who have bathing suits on. I have on a bathing suit. <laughs> but um, I, so that's what I think happened. I think that it flagged my photo as nudity and um, the the use of the word dyke in my bio as hate speech. What I find interesting is that there are so many white people on Tinder that are just straight up clothless, <laughs> like no clothes. And they profiles are just out here allowed to rock. Um, and I also see people describing themselves all kind of ways in bios on apps. Um I don't know if I've ever seen somebody use the word dyke, but definitely other words that have been reclaimed by queer community that would be flagged as like a slur if somebody who didn't identify used it. Right. So so it just it just like shocked me. I thought it was really funny when it happened. Maybe I was protected from something, you know, I I I usually try not to like reach out for connection out of like, you know, loneliness, but I definitely have been feeling isolated, you know, um, wanted some freaking cuddles. And so I wanted to use the app where people are trying to be like, what you doing tonight? And they banned me for life. So, (laughs) so, um, you know, I was I was thinking, oh, well, I'll, maybe I'll finally see what Hinge is talking about. No, I think I'm just done. <laughs> I think I'm going to follow my own uh, first mind that I talked about on the last episode, which is I'll just ask friends to introduce me to people, even though all my friends are family life, adult living. <laughs> um. I don't, I don't know who they would introduce me to to be a uh, friends with benefits or a cuddle buddy situation, but I'm just putting it out there that it won't come through the apps because I'm uh, permanently banned on Tinder. So <laughs> if you too have been banned from Tinder, <laughs> hit me up and let me know why. <laughs> no, y'all, but uh, what a way to end 2022. Um, I am taking, I feel like I'm going to take that screenshot and like put it as, um, uh, put it in my photos on other apps, like (laughs) just like a badge of honor. Like I got, I got banned from Tinder. Um, so I just want to thank y'all so much for rocking with me this year. 
Thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for all the tweets, the hashtags, the IG posts, the IG story posts, the DMs, um, the comments, the shares. Thank you. Thank you for every single freaking thing that y'all have done to um, let me know that you are listening and you want Queer Walk to continue. And I'm so excited to see y'all in the 2023 of things. Um, Yeah. So I hope y'all have incredible holiday celebrations. I hope y'all feel deeply loved on. And may nobody get banned from a (laughs) a dating app over the break until I see y'all in January. All right, y'all. Happy birthday, Nikita. And I'm out for 2022. Let me redo the community contributors right now. This episode of Queer Walk the Podcast was made possible thanks to the community contributions of Zoe, who sent me an amazing email. Annie Kalao, who featured Queer Walk in her article for Women in Hollywood. And by the monetary contributions of Joseph, who became a new patron. And Dr. Sammy and Raul, who hit me up on the cash app. This episode was also made possible by the listeners in Davenport, Florida, Schenectady, New York, and Helsinki, Finland. I hope I pronounced that right. Shout out to Finland. (laughs) Bye, y'all.